everybody. Welcome to another episode of Drop in the Gloves. A new week. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. My wife's birthday is behind us. It was yesterday. Very exciting. I got her some windshield wipers. Not very impressed with the gift, but it's a very romantic. Yeah. I got her a trip to Rome for Pete's sake. You know, what do you want me to do? Yeah, I, I can't just be throwing around massive gifts all over the place. But yes. You know, it's not good when your kids trump your present on the day of (laughs) they got her like some nice thing for her. She does a rosary daily and they got like a rosary case and I got her windshield wipers, two of them, which was $50. Can you believe that? I know they're crazy. What is is the world coming to when I get two windshield wipers and it comes to $50? Well, those are the cheap windshield wipers too. They were Rain-X. They were Rain-X. They're good windshield. Mm. You bite your tongue. What uh? What about a birthday? I mean, a Valentine's Day. What what happens got, tomorrow? A card. We're well. We're too far along in our relationship to be worried about Valentine's Day. She gets a nice, funny card. The birthday is a serious card, where it's like, "I love you." Can't picture myself without you. You make me a better man. Do you write that, or do you get a card that says that? I write it all. I'm very romantic. Okay. okay. But then the Valentine's Day is the funny one, where it's like. I think you're super sexy. Let's like, you know, tongue in cheek sort of thing. That's the funny card. So what about you? Do you have a Valentine's Day this year, Tim? No Valentine's. No, no, No. not one. Nothing. Not a single one. No, no, actually, it snuck up on me. I didn't. I forgot about it, actually, until you said it a few minutes ago. Is it a a big bar night for you tomorrow night to go and meet some people? I I don't know. I haven't been in the game, Tim, for 20 years. No, and I actually I went out with some friends on Saturday, and as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, "I'd rather be at home." <laughs> just like I hope they don't I, listen to the show. <laughs> no, they were nice. It's just like I don't know. I I that going out all the time that past of my that part of my life is behind me. Yeah, you're a writer. You know what I mean. You have more mature things to do. Sit in a leather bound chair, smoke cigars. Spent most of the weekend fulfilling orders and uh, they're all going out. TimWertzberger.com, by the way. And uh, yeah. And so that was fun. And that's the stuff that that excites me. Am I going to get my book before I leave? I'm leaving on Saturday. I mailed it uh, Saturday. So yeah, you should get it like tomorrow. Probably. I'm excited. Really quick. I'm excited to see what you wrote in my book. (laughs) The, The personalized message. I wrote one. Yeah. Cause I just said, write something fun, Tim. It's John. <laughs> so I hope write something nice. Just that's something what nice I said, didn't me. I? Yeah. <laughs> just something nice, Tim. Thank you. I hope you didn't pull the dick move and just said, Tim, write something nice. No, you know no, no. I mean? Like those. I I've done that before. All right. I like it. Did you have a good weekend? I did. The game last night. Let's talk about mm. that. The game. Super Bowl. Yeah. You didn't watch the whole thing? Well, here's the thing. It, it didn't start till 7 p.m. And we went to our friend's house to watch it. They're gracious enough to come invite us, the whole shebang, the whole gang. Halftime rolls around. It's already 8 o'clock, 8.30, right? And it's like, I'm not going to stick here and watch the game. Halftime was 9 o'clock, I think. It was late. So, yeah, we we went home. I put the kids to bed. And I just crashed. I'm, I'm, I can't hang like I used to. Plus, we don't have a TV. Or I don't have a computer with NFL package or anything. Because, you know, you catch hockey games on the computer. But... It wasn't happening for me. So I went to bed. The Chiefs were down by 10. And they looked like the Eagles were just running the show. They had the one fumble. The Chiefs returned for a touchdown. Other than that, the Chiefs were doing absolutely nothing. And I wake up. I'm like, oh, boy. 
What a game. Game of the game of the century. Best Super Bowl ever, apparently. But you watched it, Tim. You tell me about it. It was on its way to be a great game, and it still probably was. But the the ending just drives me nuts. And so I'm not going to talk about the X's and O's. I'm sure most people watched it. But I just want to say I have something to say about this. About Mm. two minutes or so left in the game. Tie game. I think it was 35-35. Tie game. Two minutes left. Mahomes has the ball. He's in the red zone. And there was a defensive, uh, not a pass interference, but like a, a hold. Yeah. yeah. And and what happened? That was, I think, it happened on the second or third down already. It might have been third down. And so the he automatic first down five yards. The yeah. whole thing starts over. And now they're in a position where they can just kneel three times, run the clock, and kick a field goal with like ten seconds left. And that's a smart thing to do. I understand the strategy and and the tactic behind that, the logic, and that every team would do that in that situation. And I'm not going to be a conspiracy. The hold, I don't think it should have been called. If you watch it, yeah, there was he probably tugged the jersey, but. They hadn't called that play literally the entire game, not once, not once until that play. And in the Super Bowl, in a tie game, in the red zone, for the first time in that entire game, you can't make that call. That wasn't just, it just drives me nuts. But there's, the NFL gets touted as like the best product for television because it's short action, lots of whistles, lots of room for commercials to go to the bathroom, refill your nachos, whatever. Like it's the perfect viewing experience if you're watching at home. Refill your nachos. If you're watching, yeah. <laughs> Get another drink. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And so and, and as opposed to like baseball nachos. drags on forever and, and hockey, you know, doesn't have the audience that football has. But here's the thing. Imagine any other sport, tie game, two minutes left. It would be absolutely electric. Hockey would be nonstop action. Basketball, even with all the timeouts they called, it's still exciting. It's nonstop. Pitch, uh, b- uh, baseball, every pitch, you're just hanging on. Every pitch is mm-hmm. the whole universe is in the balance. In football, tie game, two minutes, and not one thing happened because of the structure of like, okay, we're just going to kneel it out, run out the clock, run out the clock. And I'm not saying change the rule, but that's just a, a crappy way for a great game to end and crappy like experience when everything, imagine if that well, that play wasn't called, they kicked the field goal, there's like a minute and a half for Jalen Hurts to either score or not score, but that's the action. That's what the fans want to see. That would have been very exciting. And instead, literally not one thing happened with the game in the bound, just watching the clock run out and then he kicks a 27 yard field goal, a little dinker. And that, that it's just, it's just a disappointing, not, not a great look for the product and for the league, but what are you going to do? Well, that was fine. Yeah. We can't watch it. So I'm sure you did. The guy who took the penalty said himself, it was a hold. So he took complete Very responsibility gracious. for it. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. I had heard there wasn't any penalties to hold. You, you want the most exciting finish. I get it. I get it. What a gutsy call by that ref to throw that flag. Cause you know, you will be just critiqued for the rest of your life by every, you won't be able to go to Philadelphia for the rest of your life. Basically. Like, what a gutsy call to throw that flag. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. It's better when the whistles and flags get put away. Let the boys play. And they did this the whole game, really. There were very few penalties called. I I was going for Kansas City, so I wasn't too upset. I like like that they won. I don't know why. I like Patrick Mahomes. He seems to be a good quarterback. There you go. I I would agree with that. All right. Astute, astute observation. You know what doesn't happen in the NFL is a trade deadline bonanza. You don't see players moving teams very often at the deadline. Basketball, it's insane. We just saw it last week. Superstars. Cataclysmic 
seismic size movement movement Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant two superstars moving shifts a whole conference Dallas is now a juggernaut oh not so fast Phoenix is now the juggernaut well the NHL trade deadline is it's coming up fast players are going to be on the move every year everybody gears up for it and I was thinking this past weekend I think a lot I'm a thinker I was like does it really mean anything what are you shaking your head for I'm a thinker. You probably didn't know that about me, but you know, I like to surprise people. So I think all the time. Is that from a movie? Are you quoting? <laughs> no, just that's nothing. Go ahead. Yeah. No, Anyways, going. I was contemplating this <laughs> during my meditation period, which is a couple hours long daily. And I'm like, do these trades actually pay off in the long run? Because every t- trade deadline, everybody gets worked up. There's a group of players that everybody wants. And it's just a bidding war to try to get these players. And you already see it happening this year. The dominoes have already started to fall. Bull Horvat's already been traded. Vladimir Tarasenko's already been traded. There's a few more main players that are going to go. Timo Meyer team is going to play through the pay through the nose for him. Patrick Kane, who know where he ends up. Jacob Chitrin, the LA Kings were rumored to have traded for him this weekend. But no, they're not trading for him because they're not going to give up their eighth overall pick. I can't remember his name right now, but you see it every single year. It's the same story. Who's going to be willing to pay the most. And so it got me thinking, does this actually work? Does the team who gives up the most and gets the best player, the, the coveted prize, that trade deadline, does that team ever win the Stanley cup or is it all smoke and mirrors? And these teams pay through the nose then they end up mortgaging their future for one, two, three years on a player who doesn't do much for them in the playoffs. And so Tim and I did a little research. We went back 10 years and looked at all the trade deadlines, who was acquired, what did they have to give up to get this player, and if it was worthwhile. And the results are pretty interesting. They're actually what I expected, to be honest with you. They're they're kind of in line in what I expected. I, I And I'm not going to spoil the outcome but let's just should we start in 2022 and work our way back or do you want to start in 2013 and work our way up tim i think we work our way back we'll start with 2022 um Mm -hmm. with the avalanche avalanche were the stanley cup champions last year they beat the colorado or the uh tampa bay lightning in the finals the avs acquired arturi likanen josh manson and andrew cogliano they only had to give up a grand total of a fifth two seconds and Barron, their defenseman, who was the 25th overall pick in the first round of 2020. Not a huge package to get three veteran players. Definitely not the bell of the ball going into the trade deadline. The team that really blew it out of the waters last year, there were three of them. The Florida Panthers gave up a high-end prospect in Tippett, a first and a third to get Claude Giroux. They also gave up a first and a fourth to get Ben Sherratt. Minnesota Wild. Gave up a first to get Mark Andre Fleury, and the Tampa Bay Lightning gave up two first rounders, a fourth rounder, and Matthew Joseph to get Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel. All those teams did not win the Stanley Cup. All those teams had to give up multiple first rounders to get players. What do you think, Tim? Is it, and maybe this is the end, but who wins that trade deadline? Is it the Avs? Is it the Tampa Bay Lightning? Because they still have those players under contract. Last time I checked, 
Manson doesn't play for the Avs. Cogliano doesn't play. Or does Cogliano play for the Avs still? They both still do, don't they? They do. Does Lycanen? They all three. I apologize. I thought Manson moved on to Anaheim. He went back. But he's probably still in Colorado. But who's the winner of that deadline? Is it the Avs just because they won the cup and they didn't have to give anything up? Well, I mean, yeah, it depends. You could say whoever wins the cup wins the deadline as long as they did mm-hmm. something. So I guess – but but again, they didn't need much. And those are the death pieces – if I'm if I'm thinking more critically, I'd still probably still the Lightning won won the trade deadline um, because Hagel and and Paul were both huge players, continued to be big role players on that team. They gave up a lot. They go back to the final for the third straight year. They're still under contract, like you said. They go out, they figure out who they want. They go out and get them, and they pay what it takes. And I think that's a great example of of that. So I would say the Lightning. Yeah, and then you look at a team like the Florida Panthers who absolutely lost it. They were in the Giroux sweepstakes. He was the guy, and it was just Sherrod. They get both of them sure-fired Stanley Cup winners. Now they don't have a first-rounder for the next two years. Giroux is gone. Sherrod's gone. They lost all their prospect pool. They lost all their draft picks, and look at where they're at this year. Not even in the playoffs. Slowly starting to claw their way back into it, but I don't think they'll make the playoffs they went from a President's Trophy winner. Now the cupboards are bare, all because they went all in. I don't know. Is this a, is this an indication of things to come for the rest of the teams on the list? Let's find out. 2021, Lightning won the Stanley Cup. They had a juggernaut team. This was the year of the LTIR. Kucherov is hurt. You knew you were going to get him back, so that helped. The only person they acquired was David Savard, and they gave up a fourth rounder to get David Savard. Other teams to make moves? The New York Islanders. They give up a first and a fourth and a couple AHL guys and a prospect to get Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri. That was the big move this offseason. Taylor Hall also going to the Bruins. They had to give up Bjork and a second rounder. That was a big trade. Jeff Carter going to the Penguins for a third and a fourth. Not a huge year for deals, but the main prizes were Zajac and Palmieri. And the Islanders managed to package them up and get them both on their team. The short drive over to Long Island from New Jersey. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals only to be just crushed by the Tampa Bay Lightning who only added David Savard. Again, another year, Tim. The person who doles out the most doesn't win the Stanley Cup. But I will say this. Paul Mary is still with the Islanders. Maybe that's worth the first round, first rounder. I don't think so. I have yet to see what that first rounder will come to fruition to be, but I don't know. Hall going to the Bruins. He resigned. He's happy in Boston. Seems to be playing well. Jeff Carter still with Pittsburgh, still a very valuable piece to them. Is that worth a third and a fourth? I think so. I think all the teams as a whole didn't give up too much considering what they got. So I don't think anybody overreached like Florida did last year in 2021. Don't you think? No, no, because I mean I agree with you. And adding Zajac and Palmieri, they got they got beat by the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. But you still that was still the right move. Those guys were important to your team. Palmieri had some big goals during that run. Fair value, like it, it cost a good amount, first and a fourth. But that was but not overpayment. Like that's 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 about right. And so it didn't work out. But not not a bad trade deadline for them. You know, like yeah. some of the others we'll talk about. After going through this list, it's not there's. There's a couple deadlines where there was a ton of moves, but as a whole, I think it's always underwhelming. There's a lot of like, I think tertiary pieces, third, fourth line depth defensemen. There's not a lot of like sexy players moving that are just going to make a huge impact. And I think you see that in 2020 where you think these are tertiary guys, but they end up 
actually making a huge impact. The Tampa Bay Lightning again win the Stanley Cup again this year. The first of their back-to-back. They go out and acquire Barclay Goodrow from the San Jose Sharks. At the time, people thought they overpaid massively. First-round pick for a guy who's a fourth-liner, a healthy scratch sometimes, doesn't really produce very much. What are they doing? Crazy. And they do the same thing by getting Blake Coleman from the New Jersey Devils, a third-line guy, a hard worker, not really an offensive guy. They pay first-rounders for both of these guys. People thought they were crazy. What are they doing? Patrick Marlowe got straighted from the San Jose Sharks to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a third rounder. He was the guy that year. It was him and Joe Thornton. This was the start of Marlowe's tour around the NHL to try to chase that Stanley Cup. The Penguins gave up a third rounder to get him. And then the prize goaltender on the market, Robin Lehner from Chicago, goes to Vegas for a second and a prospect. It was supposed to put Vegas over the top. That was a strange year. They still had Mark andre Fleury, but they go out and they get Robin Lehner. Very interesting. Maybe that cost them the Stanley Cup. A lot of turmoil after that trade. But when it was all said and done, Tim, the team that gave up two first-rounders, a very controversial two first-rounders, wins the Stanley Cup. And who? what was the line that put them over the top? Gaudreau, Coleman, Gord. Everybody was raving about them in the playoffs. They were producing. They were shutting down. They were killing penalties. They started every period. Every time the other team scored, they started. Every time Tampa Bay scored, they started. They were the line that set the tone every single game. Going into the playoffs, people thought they were crazy. Why would you give up two first-rounders? Now people would die to do that trade with those guys. So it works out. Did Julian Brisebois know something? He must have. Because when I looked at this, I'm like, that's crazy. He's given up two first-rounders. But these guys are, they they didn't win them two Stanley Cups, but they darn sure were close. If those two aren't on the team, they don't win a Stanley Cup. That's my opinion. I agree. I was about to say the same thing. And that's like the risk where you're like, I remember on this show talking about like, you knew Goody, you skated with him. Like, hey, yeah. useful player, what are they doing giving up a first form? Something like that. And we were wrong. He was uh, he was really good, and so yeah, I, I think the Lightning obviously would would make that move again, and, and like you said, they don't they don't win the cup without that line. So um, good for them. Let's take it back another year, 2019. The this is the Blues won the the Stanley Cup. This is hard for me to talk about because they beat the Bruins, and I'm from Boston. If you didn't know, but interestingly enough, they made no moves, no <coughs> major ones at the trade deadline. And this is like if you remember, this is where they were in basically close to last place around Christmas, around New Year. And then they went off just massive winning streak and it continued all the way through the playoffs. Bennington's rookie year and just, you know, it, it's a great story, but no major moves. They stuck with what they had. The one the one caveat was they added Ryan O'Reilly that summer. So that was his first season there. But that, that wasn't a deadline move. The other two major moves were, I was like, maybe lack thereof. Mark Stone was traded to Vegas Golden Knights that year. And then Columbus was sort of on the in and out. They snuck in on the AFC and ended up being okay. But they decided to keep their two pending UFAs, Panarin and Bobrovsky. And they added Matt Duchesne, which they gave up a couple of firsts for. And I remember at the time being like, you know what? Good for this GM. He's, You know you're going to let these guys go. They're not going to get anything for them. Might as well see what you can do. And this is the year they swept the lightning. That set the whole lightning on a different path and, and corrected them. But... Um, and then after that, they didn't do anything. And so, you know, the, the Columbus might be a different team if they had traded those guys for what they were worth, which would have been like young prospects, multiple firsts, et cetera. And maybe they are competitive now, three or four years later. But I still don't critique them for doing it. Um, if you have a chance, go for it. And so I, I know it's easy to be Monday morning quarterback and be like, wow, what a bozo. They should have traded those guys. But I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to judge. What do you think? 
Tim, that hindsight's 2020. This is, if you look at it, a six first rounder swing. Because instead of trading Panarin and Bobrovsky, you end up trading your two first rounders for Matt Duchesne. If you trade Panarin, you don't think he's getting two first rounders in a prospect, maybe three first rounders. This guy was an all-star at that point. He had won a Stanley Cup with the Chicago Blackhawks. The guy was, he was the bread man at that point. And Bobrovsky was the best goalie at the time. Coming off of Vesna, he was a stud. You don't think he's getting a first rounder? It was a massive gamble, an incredible gamble from Jarmo Kekalainen. And it didn't pay off. He's still the GM, so obviously they like him there. But just imagine if you were to just shift. You're the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Instead of going all in, kick the can down the road. See what you can get. You're going to get six first rounders in the next two years and see what happens. Instead, they go for it. They lose in the second round. They they show nothing for any of this. Panarin leaves. Bobrovsky leaves. Duchesne leaves. He, he gets traded. Or does he leave shortly after? It was just a disaster result from going all in. Everybody lauded them for it. They thought it was great. I I thought it was great. But hey, looking back, not worth it at all. You should never go all in, it seems like. The only team to succeed so far is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they already had a stable of horses to add Gaudreau and Coleman to. But yeah, not good. St. Louis wins. Mark Stone goes to Vegas. Win-win for all those teams. Columbus sets them back years, Tim, not having a first rounder. Years and years and years. So anyways, moving on. 2018. This was the year of deals. This was a this was a fun, fun deadline. And it's funny. This is the theme. The team who wins the Stanley Cup did nothing. Much like St. Louis Blues the year before, the Washington Capitals did absolutely nothing major at the deadline. Tampa Bay, they went shopping, baby. They called up the New York Rangers. They gave up two first-rounders and a bunch of prospects to get JT Miller, friend of the show, and Ryan McDonough, friend of the show. The biggest deal that that, that trade deadline. But not, not the only one involving stars, Tim. Evander Kane, never a friend of the show. He gets traded to the San Jose Sharks for a first rounder. He had some red flags surrounding him coming out of Buffalo, but the Sabres were able to get a first rounder. Good deal for him. Good deal for San Jose. He played well. Rick Nash, also from the New York Rangers. That's when the Rangers just said, we're selling. Everybody must go. They got rid of everything they could get rid of. Rick Nash was on that Rangers team. He went to the Bruins. Oof, Tim, the Bruins paid a lot for Rick Nash. A first-rounder, a seventh-rounder, Spooner, Bolesky, who was a contract. They just gave away. They wanted to give away Matt Bolesky, but still, to pay that much for Rick Nash? Woof. And another first-rounder gets traded, the Winnipeg Jets, who were a Stanley Cup contender at that point. They had Hellebuck. They had Bufflin. They had Myers. They had Shifley. They had Wheeler. They had all these studs. They gave up a first and a fourth to get Stasny, a good trade at the time. He was a very sought-after free agent. They went and got him. Superstars are flying around that offseason. And the team that won the Stanley Cup doesn't get any superstars, Tim. What do you make of it? Well, I mean, 
I could take the cheap answer and say you're not going to fix your problem to the trade deadline. It takes years of good drafting, good development to be a Stanley Cup winner and contender. And I don't care how much money you have to spend. You, you can't do it based on rentals alone. So all these teams are proving that. And the Capitals, it was their year. Um, going back to the Rick Nash thing, the Bruins doing this exercise, it's so funny how, like, first of all, how many guys get traded almost every year? Pat Maroon's been traded, I think, two, maybe three trade deadlines. Mike Riley's been traded at three deadlines. A lot of names kept coming over and over again when I was going back on this. And that was Chad Kirk, Stahl, Stasny, Yandel, Um, those types of guys. Yeah, and I remember the the McDonough and Miller trade. It was massive, massive trade. And and obviously the Lightning, it took a couple of years for that to pan out, but that ended up being a good move for them too. So that's what I mean when it takes multiple years of – of doing the right thing to, to pay off, you know? I agree. All right. The next year, 2017 Pittsburgh Penguins, Jim Rutherford loves to trade. The guy has never met a trade. He didn't like, he goes out, he gets Ben straight and Ron Hainsey, Mark straight. And who cares for a fourth and a second, the big bell, of the ball that off season was Shattenkirk. He was the guy. He was a Norris Trophy candidate. He was breaking all kinds of records for the defensemen. Washington Capitals were hot on him. They wanted to get over that hump of the Pittsburgh Penguins that they couldn't get by. They give up a first and a second. They were already first in the league. They went out and got the best player. Lo and behold, they lose to Pittsburgh. Ron Hainsey, Mark Strait, huge pieces to that Stanley Cup championship run that the Pittsburgh Penguins had. No other players really got moved in 2017. Much like 2019, it wasn't a lot happening. It was just a whole lot of smoke and no fire. But anyways, Penguins only give up a fourth and a second, get two huge pieces on their back end, win the Stanley Cup. They're second in a row, Tim, by the way. 2016, Penguins win again. They go out and acquire another defenseman, Schultz, puck-moving defenseman from Edmonton, I believe. They only had to give up a third rounder to get this guy. Eric Stahl gave up. The Rangers got him for two second rounders. He ended up playing just atrocious. It was a bad trade all around. Thought he was going to do well with his brother Jordan. It didn't work out. And that was it. There was no other noteworthy trades in 2016. It was a quiet, quiet, quiet deadline. Penguins win the cup. Well, yeah, quiet deadline. But Justin Schultz was an important part of that that run. He was mm-hmm. running their second power play unit behind the tang. There were times when he was running the first one. He was sort of you know, you think about a one-way defenseman, that's definitely his game, but when he's doing it well, he's very, very effective, and he was a huge part of that uh, that offense. You said I got traded to the Canadians there in the four or fifth rounder. <laughs> Couldn't skip over that one either. That's nice. That's nice. All right, 2014, LA Kings win the last of their three Stanley Cups. Wait, they got a skip, big one. You what? skipped one. Oh, the 2015. All right, you do that one, Tim. Yeah, so the Hawks won this year, and this is the third and final cup of the dynasty. And so they obviously had the, the core there. They had most of those players. I know they had to let some good players go every year just for cap reasons. But at this deadline, they acquired Antoine Vermette, which cost the first and a prospect, and Kimo Timonen, which cost two picks. Um, obviously, it worked. So the, and those two pieces were great, especially Timonen. He was he was really, really good in that run. A couple other ones. This is really interesting. Uh, the article written at the time in 2015 said T- Tampa Bay traded away a, a pr- like a young player, a first and a third for Braden Coburn. That young player was uh, Radko Gudis, friend of the show, who was, it turned out to be a really effective team uh, player. But Coburn was like one of the, I wouldn't say premier, but like one of the solid, more reliable defensive defensemen uh, at the time. And he was a big part of that Tampa Bay team. 
Obviously, it wasn't part of the cup run a few years later. Now, the, the major one, Keith Yandel, was traded to the Rangers for a first, a second, John Moore, and Anthony Duclair. Way overpayment. Yandel, you know, it, I wouldn't say he's quite a one-way defenseman. I don't want to insult the guy, but maybe he is. He's an offensive defenseman who didn't really produce offensively for them. So if, if you take that away, what else is there? Didn't work out for them um, in, in that team. So he didn't really – he kind of had a, bound, a down year until he came found his spot again in Florida. And then Kessel was traded to the Penguins um, for first, third, and some prospects. So a pretty busy trade deadline. But, again, it was the Hawks already having a solid – core and adding just those little complimentary pieces that gets you over the top. Boom. Stanley cup. All right, let's, let's uh, go to some current events news, Tim. There's, there's some breaking news. The Arizona coyotes have just confirmed that Jacob Chitrin will not play for them again. He has played his last game for the Arizona coyotes. That being said, there has been rumors swirling that he will be traded to the LA Kings very, very soon. Early reports were that the reason the deal wasn't done was because the LA Kings did not want to trade Brant Clark, their eighth overall pick from last year. Brant Clark's agent even confirmed that he was told by the team that he was not being traded. Traded Well, things change fast in the NHL, and it looks like it's going to be Byfield and Clark potentially going to Arizona for Jacob Chitron. So... I don't know. That could be that's an interesting trade to be made for the LA Kings right now. Does this sway them anymore? Currently, they're sitting outside of the playoffs looking in. They're fourth in the Pacific. They're just straddling the wild card. What what do you make of this? If the LA Kings currently they're in the second wild card position. Excuse me. If they make this trade, Tim, what what does this do for the LA Kings? Because I wouldn't expect them to be competing for a Stanley Cup right now. Don't get me wrong. They're a good team. I always thought they were a few years out. I still think they're a few years out. If they go ahead today and trade their future, Brant Clark, Byfield, their latest two first-round picks for Jacob Chitron, does does that move the needle for them anymore? They have an okay defense. They still got Drew Doughty on the book for another four years at $11 million. Matt Roy, MTU alum. Sean Walker, Sean Dursey, Michael Anderson, Alex Edler. Not really an imposing six when you're going into the playoffs. What does Jacob Chitron do for this team if they make this deal today? And it sounds like it's very close to being done. Man, that's a lot to give up. Quentin Byfield was a second overall pick in 2020. Like, this is high, 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 highly touted prospects, young players in the league. And Jacob Chitron, very good, but he doesn't get you. He's not getting you past Edmonton. He's not getting you past Colorado. Like, uh, what's what's the point of this? I understand he's under contract for three more years after this one. So you're building for the the future. But those kids are pretty good, too. And so I, I think it's more of a move of you look at Dowdy, you look at Kopitar, the window. I wouldn't say the window's closing because they have some young players, too, where they want to maximize the health and, and relative youthfulness of, of those two players before they get over the hill, which they you could say they already are. So it's similar to the Bruins. You know, like you, you almost got a year max of, of Bergeron, Marshan, Krejci. Like, let's let's try to do something while we still can. And so I get that. It's a lot to give up. It's a lot to give up for a player that I don't, we don't know if Chichens is a legit number one, 25 minutes, 30 minutes in the playoffs type of player yet. We don't really know. He's had He's been really good at times. 
and maybe he's a factor of, of playing on an inconsistent team on a great offense that loses a lot. And so maybe his numbers would be better on a better team, but it's a lot to gamble. Uh, he's having a heck of a year. He's almost at a point per pace, point per game pace. And he's playing on an Arizona Coyotes team that doesn't put put up many goals. So He's not, though. He's got 26. It's not almost a point per game place. Eight points it's, behind. That's almost. Yeah, in 82, that's going to be more than, that's going to be like 20 points behind. Uh, it's just. That's, if you're getting 60 points, if you're Jacob Chitron, that's a heck. I, I'm taking you for $10 million if you're getting 60 a year and can play the minutes that he plays. So based on this year, I love it. Based on prior years, not so much. Which player are you getting? Are you getting the guy who puts up 41 and 56? 18 the guy who, Yeah, I, I, I like that guy. So it's just you don't know who you're getting until you can put him on an actually really, really good team. The question marks surrounding Jacob Chitron are, does this guy benefit from being in a system where he just gets put in every position possible to succeed? You know what I mean? He gets a ton of minutes. He gets all kinds of offensive zone face-offs. He gets power play time. You're bound to put points up when you get that many minutes. Is that all going to go away when he plays with good players and his minutes get condensed and he's not getting first power play minutes? Because if you go to a Stanley Cup contender, this guy's not going to be on the first power play unit. So maybe LA would be a good spot because he still would be that horse. And instead of having to rely on, you know, getting passes from Clayton Keller, you're getting them from really, really good players in LA. Popatars and Kemp's and Fiala's and these Denoas and these types of players. So I don't know. If it does happen, I think it's good. I, I like this trade for LA. They're not mortgaging the future. I know Byfield's good. From what I've seen, he, he ain't that good. He ain't that good. In Brand Clark, 20. who knows? He's 20, but he's already had a good sample size in the NHL. He hasn't done much compared to other draft picks of his class. Who else was who was drafted in front of him, Tim? Sorry, I, I'm blanking. 2020, uh, I don't remember. Yeah, so he, he's not a player that we need to keep in our lineup. You know, he's played 25 games. Lafreniere. Yeah, woof of a draft class. But Byfield was supposed to come in. He was supposed to be just a moose. He was supposed to just anchor that first line center role, he was supposed to be the heir apparent to Anze Kopitar. He hasn't done it. And I know what the sample size isn't huge, but it is 71 games, 21 points, Tim, seven goals, 14 assists. Go look he, at Jeff Hughes's first 70 games or Nathan McKinnon's first 70 games. Like okay. uh, Kirby doc. Yeah. I'm just saying if I have a chance to go out and get a defenseman who I can just throw in there, for 25 to 30 minutes a game, I could put him in my second power play unit, my first PK unit, and I can just say, thank you, moving on, and I only have to pay him $4.6 million for the next few years. I'm doing it. There, well, there's less There's less guys like Jacob Chitron than there is like Quentin Byfield. And I already know one in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? Who knows where Quentin Byfield is going to end up? I know what Jacob Chitron is. He's a strong ox of a defenseman who can put up some decent points. He's he's the Jacob Truba who can produce offensively, basically. You know, he's going to give you 50 points in an 82 game schedule. He's never played 82 games. That's another worry of mine. Can he maintain his health in order to play 82 games? As most games he's played in a year is 68. Who knows if this guy could stay on the ice? But if he's healthy, Tim, I'm taking this guy over for Byfield and Clark all day and tomorrow. I, I value that over a centerman who could potentially turn out to be a Ryan Getzlaff. 
I don't know. That's just me. I, I would do this trade. So you would not do this trade. No, it's not that I wouldn't. It's just it's a lot to give up. And and I think, yeah, the, the, the kicker is you said it already, the, the contract. It's actually two more years, uh, not yeah. three. I, said, I misspoke. But, yeah, that 4.6 is great, great value, especially if he is – the, the, I mean, even at his floor, that's a steal. But if his potential on a good team with a good defensive structure and set up for success offensively, if he can be go be that 60, 70 point defenseman who can log the heavy minutes and, and play all zones, that's a steal at 4.6. And and I, even if he's not, you're still going to get more than that for the value. And like I said, yeah, like you said, it's a, there's a lot of potential with those young kids, but most of them don't work out. And so might you regret it? Maybe. But you've got a good player coming in if this, if this deal goes through. And it works out perfectly for the LA Kings contract wise, because in two years, Kopitar's contract comes off the books. So you can transition that $10 million, re-up Jacob Chitrin, get him to sign today. If you sign him today, I'm I'm getting him eight million, eight years. That's what I'm offering him. And then we'll go from there. But then you still have your core of forwards. You have Fiela, you have Deneau, you have Kemp, you have Trevor Moore, you have Ayafalo. They have good forwards to build around. Yes, they might need to go out and get another superstar to ride shotgun to Deneau and Fiela. But they. I don't mind the LA Kings. I think their weakness right now is the back end. That's where you're lacking. And if you go out and you get a Jacob Chitron, that answers a lot of questions. A lot, a lot of questions. So we'll see how it works out. It isn't finalized not even close from the sounds of they're still working out contracts and this and that but if it does boy oh boy a big piece gets taken off the trade board early 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 a big defenseman then everyone's gonna be clamoring for luke shen and jake mccabe from chicago those are the two high-end guys and vladislav gavra gavrakov from columbus those will be the three high-end defensemen people will be going after well, just for the Arizona side too, this is a great trade for them. Like you're talking about getting max value for your player, yeah. two young A level. I wouldn't say prospects because Byfield's been playing in the NHL, but this is this added to like an already strong uh, farm system that they're up and coming players. And so I think if this is probably the right move for both teams if it goes through. I like it. Like I said, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Who knows how Brant Clark's going to work out? I don't know. Eighth overall pick. What is he doing in Barry? I don't even know. Maybe he comes to the NHL and he's just an absolute just plug and he's not good at all. But who knows? He's a big defenseman, just like Jacob Chitron. I don't know. Only time will tell. I hope the trade goes through. I hope it's I hope it goes through. I would love to see LA get a good defenseman and go on a run. They have good players. They they showed it two years ago when they gave Edmonton all they could ask for in the bubble. But anyways, moving on back to the show, Tim, should we get back to the trade deadline uh, the last couple of years or should we move on? Well, let's just maybe talk about big picture takeaways from okay. the, from the pattern because there's 2014 and 13 are similar. And actually, I'll bring up 2014 real quick because that was the only time that I can see on this list in the last decade where the team went out and got the superstar ended up winning. And that was the yeah. Kings adding Gabbard for a second and a third. And that's the only time I can see that I think the, the team that went out and made the biggest splash ended up winning the cup. And so thinking about, about this year, the, the big names this year are uh, Kane, Panet, uh, not Panarin, um, Tarasenko, Timo Meyer, Timo Meyer and uh, Bo Horvat. If history speaks, whoever gets done, all these players are not going to do anything at the playoffs. What do you what do you take away from uh, looking back at this history? Well, I think what you take away from this is you you don't get caught up in just all the noise. People always want to, especially a GM. You want to justify your job. 
you want to be able to come away from the trade deadline and look your owner in the face, look your president in the face, and more importantly, look to players in the face and say, hey, look, I did everything I could. You don't want to end the season and lose that final game in the playoffs and go, oh, man, if only we would have given up an extra second rounder. If only we would have traded our first rounder instead of hanging on to it. Maybe we would have won the Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? So that GMs don't want to do that. And I think that's what gets them in trouble. That's where you get in trouble when you see teams giving up a first for this guy, first for that guy, first for that guy. And then they have nothing to show for it. And then you're fired anyways, because you lose your job because you have nothing in the cupboard. So I think what you take away from is just you, you can't overpay for anybody. If you have a glaring need, yes, go out and fill it. But it's better just to go into the playoffs with who you have. Get some tertiary pieces, some depth pieces. Those seem to have much more greater of an impact than going out and getting the star player that's on the market. Whether it's a Claude Giroux, a Ben Sherratt, an Evander Kane, a Ryan McDonough, a Shattenkirk, a Stahl, a Yandel, a Kessel. None of these guys won the Stanley Cup. It's always the little moves that make the biggest impact. The David Savard, the Aturi Lykanen, the Gaudreaux, the Coleman's. Those guys seem to do a lot more damage and are more valuable than getting a Matt Duchesne for two first rounders. So if I'm a GM right now, I'm not looking at the top of the trade bait board. I'm not going to go shopping on a Timo Meyer or a Patrick Kane or a Ryan O'Reilly. I'm going to go down the list a little bit. Oh, maybe a Gustav Nyquist from Columbus. Maybe a Shane Gossespear from Arizona. Pick him up for a fourth rounder. Let him run my first power play. Those are the guys who will make the biggest difference on your team. A Sean Monahan from Montreal. I know he's got a big contract, but that guy is a good centerman you can plug on your third line, and he will be fantastic for you. I think those pieces are the ones that make the biggest difference. People pay out the nose for the high-end guys, Tim, and it's never, ever, ever worth it. So I think that's what you take away from it. Got to be smart. Don't mortgage your future. You can still add good players, but don't get caught up in the frenzy, the free agent frenzy of just the big names. Don't you think? No, I agree. I agree. And I think it's, 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 it is a lot of that, that I wouldn't say emotion, but you do get caught up in the frenzy of like, who doesn't want a team Omaha? You're like, you, you salivate over adding him to your roster. Let's just use Carolina as an example. You've got the room to, to make it work. You've got $10 million. You can go get anybody you want. And you see a player of that caliber. Obviously you want to add him, but let's look at an example him versus like a Nick Bonino, who's, you know, on the back nine, but he does a little bit of everything and he's not going to cost you much at all. And and you also, it's not quite, this is oversimplifying a little bit, but the first two lines do pretty much cancel each other out in the playoffs. It's always the scrappy guys who are scoring big goals, who muscle their way in front of the net and bury a rebound in overtime or whatever. You're not, you don't need all those. I don't know. You obviously need the the top line guys who can score, but it's always the the role players that win you cups. It's always the, the Darren Helms. You know, it's the Sean Thornton's it's, it's those types of guys that that get Max Talbot, you know what I mean? Um, And so it's hard not to, especially when you got like, like Carolina, you got the room to do it. There's no reason not to add a player, but you, you got to resist a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's hard. But but again, like who how you can you really make an argument that Nick Medino helps your team more than Timo Meyer? You can't. It, it falls apart. So, yeah, you got to resist that temptation and resist even logic a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. There's no rational reason behind any of this. But when you look at your team, you don't want to mess up your continuity. There's a reason you're in first place. There's a reason you're in second place. There's a reason you're a Stanley Cup contender. Maybe you don't mess up the first two lines, the mojo that those guys have. Claude Giroux didn't really click in Florida very well. He fit in a little bit. Maybe they could have used something else. Maybe they could have used a fourth or a third line guy who was a banger. 
Maybe they could use a little more sandpaper instead of more skill. That would have helped them a lot more than getting Claude Giroux. So looking back, it's easy to, you know, play armchair quarterback, but you need to look at your team. You can't get just infatuated with the best player. So if I'm the Carolina Hurricanes, do I need a first or second line guy? I don't think so. Maybe I need a depth defenseman, a five or six guy to, you know, kill penalties. So I don't have to rely on my top guys to kill penalties. Maybe I want a guy who can take take faceoffs like Chicago did and go and get the best faceoff guy in the NHL and Antoine Vermette. And that guy won every faceoff Tim in the D zone. Every single crucial faceoff they had to take down the stretch, it was Vermi. Always. Oh, he gets kicked out. You have Johnny Taves. So you have to look at your team and realize what you need and not get just caught up in the frenzy for the players. Because I know GMs want to make a move. Just don't do it. Go out there and give yourself what you're like. If you're the Boston Bruins. Do you really want to mess up what's going on there? Getting Jake DeBrusque's head by bringing in a high-end forward and give him a complex like he had two years ago? I don't think so. I think you just let that lie. You just let those guys go. No big moves in Boston. Maybe get uh, some veteran to come in and maybe be a a fourth-line guy or even a guy who just sits on the bench. I don't know. Maybe get a goalie to come in and just, just in case Swayman or Olmark falter a little bit you have a veteran presence there who can jump in for a game i don't know less is more sometimes yeah i mean for the bruins i tweeted about this i want a luke shen i want a nick Benino. i want a lucic like those are the guys that i think would make a better impact and you don't mess with a good thing and none of these teams that have won cups messed with a good thing and so i think there's a lesson to be learned when you look at this and i think gms know that but like you said, you feel like you have to prove your job. You see an opportunity to go get a, a high-caliber player. You, you want to add him, but there's uh, it's a balancing game. you got to find the middle ground. All right, another rumor swirling around. Daryl Sutter could be coaching his last games for the Calgary Flames if he doesn't start winning the next few games. What do you think? They're sitting right now out of a playoff pitcher, 25, 18, and 10. Does he get fired? Oh. This is the first I've heard that rumor, so I'm reacting here. But yeah, probably. This is the team that should be better than this. But he's under contract. How how many more years does he have? That doesn't Two matter. Two or three. That doesn't yeah. matter. No. Look at the um, look at the Canucks. They're paying ten coaches right now. <laughs> I know they are. Yeah, I, probably. And it might just be not necessarily it's his fault, but sometimes that that's that can spark a change. And I think we all know the Flames are better than this. And so I I think maybe if you want to sell the salvage the season, you you make a change like that. I think you definitely do. I think this team does have Stanley Cup aspirations. They have the they have the talent, especially in that West where it's just a it's up for grabs. I think you go for it. You change change a coach, change a culture, get in, get a fresh face on things. I think these guys do have what it takes to raise the cup at the end of the year. But anyways, everybody, we're out of here. I hope you look at the trade deadline a little differently this year. If you're a you know Penguins fan or a Bruins fan, maybe you're okay if you don't get the star studded player. Maybe you're okay. If you pick up a third line guy, because those guys seem to end up doing the most damage, then you get the most bang for your buck. Anyways, I hope you're getting a lot of bang for your buck. Listen to this podcast. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys Wednesday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.